Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How you doing? I'm very well. How you doing today, Paul? Uh, doing well. Fantastic. Uh, busy week. Um, actually caught up with, um, which I, people who listen to the show, I refer to as our, my financial superhero, which, you know, Paul, but we will not disclose, uh, default, yeah, d- dis- yeah, uh, disclose his name on the show. So I unexpectedly <laughs> had dinner with him this past week and caught up. He's doing great. Family's good. Uh, we, we, uh, work right next door to each other in New York city. And I had texted him saying, hey, you know, I sent him like a goofy text. He called me back and we just said, hey, you're getting out at six. I'm getting out at six. Let's go grab dinner. So we had dinner, drinks, hung out. So it was a lot of fun. It was good catching up with him. Um, And it was good to see just from a human aspect, um, New York City, um, trains going into the city were, were a lot busier. The parking lot that I commute from was busy. The streets were busy. The restaurants were filled. Uh, people in offices. It was it was interesting. So um, good week overall. Um, and then today, I'm also since it's going to be a really really rainy day. I'm tackling the taxes finally. I got to get them done by April. So this is the day that um, I will sit down and, and really go through them and and get them done and get them out the door. So stop procrastinating. Uh, Paul, what's up with you? Uh, I might do the same thing with the taxes, but I might procrastinate further. Uh, I actually went to our Pennsylvania office during the week, and uh, it was great seeing a lot of people. It's been a while. We um, we actually have some charges there for the cars. We Our audience knows I electric car. We actually were full. So we were, uh, I think, eight chargers and about 10 people, 12 people that wanted to charge. So that, that was an interesting dynamic there. And this morning, I, I couldn't get out of my head looking at all the gas prices, Paul. So I did a little research this morning. The average tax on a gallon of gasoline in this country is 28.9622 cents. So almost 29 cents per gallon of tax on a gallon of gasoline. And that does not include the federal 18.4 cents of tax on a gallon of gasoline. So as people look at how expensive gas is, I just wanted to throw some numbers out there, but it's pretty crazy. Um, that's the average. You have Pennsylvania who wins in the taxes of uh, 58 cents a gallon, and I mean, meaning the most of winning, if you want to call it winning, and then Alaska at just about nine cents a gallon. So I just thought I'd throw some data points out there to get us going this morning. Yeah, no, that's cool. I know we're going to do another electric car episode. We we probably want to save that. It's probably timely, um, you know, to kind of jump into that once we get to that episode. So I think that'll be a good thing. Um, today's podcast is re- is reverse retirement engineering, early versus traditional retirement with Joe DeSanto. But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story is really not a, a news story, Paul. It's actually uh, from the Tim Ferriss show, and it's a blog post um, on the shortness of life, an introduction to Seneca. Um, I had received this blog post from a really good friend of mine. Um, he had sent it to me. And, and like I said, it's not really a news story, but I thought it was a great read and maybe appropriate for the show. Um, some of the quotes that I pulled out of there, um, which I thought were interesting, uh, the part of life we really live is small for all the rest of existence is not life, but merely time. 
And the second quote I pulled out of the post was, it's not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. Um, so for me, you know, upon reflection, I do have to give this a more thorough read, you know, over a cup of coffee. Um, I usually have my own way that I read stuff. I read it on the iPad, I PDF it out, and I sit in a coffee shop and I'll, or in the backyard, or I'll go somewhere quiet and I'll read. So I definitely want to read this full article in depth. I kind of hit the highlights, and those are the kind of the two quotes that I picked out. I guess for me, um, what I took away is, yes, it's all true. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I've, I've resolved myself that there'll be a thousand regrets plus on my deathbed. That's the way it's going to be. It's hard um, to kind of balance all this stuff out. And, um, it, and for me, it, I'm still going to read it, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to action a lot of it. Um, but, Paul, what was your take on this story? So so the two quotes you pulled out were the two I was going to pull out. Um, I, I feel like this hits really close to home for me. Uh, having had lots of things happen over the years, even some of it more recently. And, you know, we, we do waste a lot of time. And I think it ties to that other episode we were talking about doing, Paul. Uh, we're kicking around a title called uh, Enough is Enough, right? And focusing in on what matters most. You know, we've heard that theme from a number of people of our recent guests, whether it be The Minimalist uh, with Peter Atwater or uh, Jonathan Dowie on, you know, time and, and what matters. So uh, this hit really close to home and it's uh, giving me more time to do a little bit more retrospective on it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, with that, we're going to switch gears completely to a different news story. One we've talked about a lot, Paul. Um, it's from WUMM, WUWM uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, efforts are growing in Milwaukee to teach students about personal finance. So you could either listen to the article or and we'll post all these links like we always talk about. It's a very short article. It's really talking about how in the Milwaukee Public School District, they're, they're increasing financial literacy. And there's a bill that would require a personal finance course to graduate high school, um, uh, you know, as, as part of the requirements. And it's being introduced into the state legislator, le legislature. Um, for me, Paul, what I took away was... We talked about this in the past. There's not enough financial literacy that's being conveyed. Although I did have an interesting conversation with my son. Um, as part of his uh, work at school, he had to go through an exercise of, of planning out his life financially post-college graduation, which I thought was very hmm. interesting. And he had some very good highlights to it. And he, he estimated his income. Um, for his field to be relatively low, but his numbers were really spot on. He had research. So he said, yeah, dad, he goes, I'll probably graduate college. I'll get a, an IT job. I'll hopefully get a, a job as a developer. And maybe I'll live in Brooklyn in a studio and I'll budget this amount of money for my rent and this amount of money for food. And since I'm living in the city, I won't need a car. So he really has a very well thought out plan, which was nice to hear. So his school is doing a little bit of this, and I thought that his numbers were pretty darn accurate. So it, it's nice to see that some schools are embracing it without the force of a bill going in. You know, So, Paul, what was your take on this story? I, I was so happy to see this story because we have talked about it so much that there's so little financial literacy. I saw one of those Internet memes the other day that said, you know, I'm so glad I learned about parallelograms in school. They're so helpful during this parallelogram society that we're in today or something. Just like, <laughs> and he was talking about how they didn't learn how to do his checkbook or anything. So uh, it, it's great. The only thing this will do is help people. 
and make them more aware of what's happening around them. And there's probably zero loss of this. It's probably one of the most important classes they could probably give. Whether yeah, look at the max benefit. Right. Yep. Whether you're a construction worker or an IT guy or, you know, whatever career you want to choose to do, this will help them. So it's great. Very cool. Very cool. Well, with that, um, we'd like to now welcome to the podcast Joe DeSanto. He is the owner of Play Louder, fractional CFO, consultant, and authority blogger. Uh, we will discuss with him today reverse retirement engineering, early versus traditional retirement. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, what's happening, guys? Thanks for having me. <clears throat> Yeah, thank you for joining us. This is very cool. Um, in full transparency, we had some banter before we started recording, and, and it seems like Paul and Joe will be neighbors or are neighbors technically. <laughs> um, it's very interesting. So that's something maybe for a future podcast. We'll, we'll have to figure out more, and maybe maybe Joe and Paul we'll will do, we'll have, have to do those... a live from Dunedin. Yes, 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 yes. Maybe I, I'll make the trip down there um, afterwards. And maybe Burns Steakhouse. That's my one of my favorite places in the country, one of my favorite restaurants in Tampa. Um, and I've uh, heard good things, but I haven't been there yet. Yeah, it's probably for another podcast. Uh, but but yeah, a lot of, a lot of great stories. Been there a few times. It's very cool. Um, I think what we'll do is kind of, Joe, we always kind of open up the, 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 the show like with, you know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey? I mean, we heard it before we started recording, but if we could, if you could share with the yeah. audience a little bit, and then we'll jump into this whole topic that we, that we picked, which is one of several that we hope we get you back for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, I, I assume, I assume your, your intro bits maybe are a little bit tied to your guests, but if not, I mean, very great coincidence that you were talking about those topics because it's a lot of what I do now, you know, in helping people and figuring out budgeting and that sort of stuff. But my journey really, well, I'm from Rhode Island originally, you know, I'm a Virgo, um, I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I just, I went to college at UMass Amherst and I was actually a, uh, an art student. I was into photography, but I've always been sort of into art and math. And uh, long story short, you know, I, after college, I moved to New York, you guys, your guys' area for a couple of years, and then eventually made it out to L.A. And throughout my main career, or the career, you know, I left a few years ago, I worked my way up to owning a post-production company. So basically, I mixed my, um, you know, my interests of art, and in my case, more of a technical art form like photography, um, kind of got into the video thing, uh, visual effects and design and animation, and then ended up, you know, working in that field and starting a company and was able to kind of merge my art interest and my business and finance interest into owning a creative company. Um, and we made, uh, we, we made films, television shows, lots of television commercials, music videos, online content, documentaries, uh, you name it. And, you know, we did it by and large for hire, meaning, you know, like ad agencies and studios would hire us to do certain parts of the projects. But then we also got into producing our own work uh, and produced a couple of feature length documentaries and uh, co-produced a television series for HBO uh, with the Foo Fighters called uh, Sonic Highways. So that was kind of like cool. kind of the highlight, one of the highlights of our, our company's endeavors. And now, I guess yeah. I should, you know, wrap it up. Uh, basically, what happened was, is, you know, 
I loved my career. My wife was an editor. She worked at our company and I started the company with my, my best friends and it was great. Um, but it was very demanding. Um, and, you know, speaking of time we were talking about earlier, we just lived our work. I mean, you know, that, that was it. And that was great for a while. We really actually enjoyed it. Um, but once we had a kid, we were like, wow, like kids are a lot of work themselves. I mean, geez Louise, like, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to get all the time to sort of do that well and do the business well and all that. So we had a nanny and, and we're working a lot and all that. And I don't know, within those first three years, we kind of somehow came to the conclusion that maybe we should try to do it differently and re-engineer our lives so that we could have more time for the family, work less, be under less stress, and be able to kind of raise our son and, you know, more of, I guess, what you might say is a traditional setup. But um but really more specifically be able to like spend time with them and not be like stressed out all the time and, you know, dealing with, with all the demands of the big, you know, bigger company. I mean, our company wasn't huge, but we had about 35 employees. So it wasn't small. So uh, we somehow managed to do that. Like we extricated ourselves from LA, which was tough. I mean, it has a lot, it had a lot of positives and negatives, but many positives and we ended up in Florida, which is crazy. We ended up in a town called Dunedin, Florida, which, Honestly, we found through look, searching on Google. I mean, we basically were searching like reasonably priced seaside towns with a main street. And mm. Dunedin kept coming up on the list. You know, so we came here. We ended up moving here. We're Luckily, we really like it. And amazingly, you know, Paul is very familiar with the area and knows people here. And he knows like my neighbor. Which is totally yeah, insane. That, that, that's very crazy. So yeah, before we were talking, um, he said he's in Florida. We narrowed it down very quickly to where I don't know, two blocks away, you know, fifteen, crazy. sixteen houses away or something from each it's other. It's amazing. Yeah. So. so, so yeah. So since then, like you know, what I luckily have been able to kind of amass a good amount of, of knowledge and skills, and it's you know. Through owning a business and understanding entrepreneurship and all the values and benefits that that can bring to your life, uh, my lifelong interest in personal finance um, and just, you know, to your point about, you know, learning more about personal finance and getting out of school and so on, like I just luckily had a, a, just a genuine interest in that. And it just always seemed to like make sense to me as something you should do. Like, shouldn't you like, I don't know, count your money and I don't know, make sure that you like make more than you spend and that kind of stuff. It just seems logical, but, um, but apparently a lot of people don't do it. I'm, I'm learning, uh, that, and then also my, my interest in investing and, and, and all of those things together really have contributed to me being able to me, my, my wife being able to make this kind of change at the age we're at in our life, you know, because it's not particularly easy to do on the financial front, but we worked really hard and, you know, did our homework and did the legwork and saved and invested and spent all the time, you know, to try to figure out how to maximize all that in, you know, my 20s and my 30s. And it really paid off, you know, and, and after leaving my, my job, actually my partners, um, you know, they, they were very gracious in like being supportive of uh, our move. But, you know, I did a lot at the company. So, so they were like, well, hey, you know, we got to figure out like, you know, how we're going to fill your shoes, but maybe you could just stay on and manage the finances, you know, and you could do it from afar. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a great idea. I'll totally do that. Cause I always did that for the business. And they're like, none of us have been doing that. You know, we'd feel much better <laughs> if you would just like stay on that. So I was wow. like, oh, that's a great idea. I'll do that. 
And then after, uh, as I was telling other friends that own businesses and stuff, you know, that I was doing that, just kind of telling them this story, they're like, wow, like we really need a guy to like manage our finances. Like, will you do that for us? And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll do that for yeah. you. And like, it's just grown. And now I, I basically am like what I call fractional CFO for about six businesses and and my thing is, as I say to the business owners, listen, it doesn't stop at your business. Like, because most of the, the business owners who are also friends, some now are just people I didn't even know before. They want to know, like, well, how did you, you know, be able to make this change and get the net worth in a good place and all that? And I'm like, because I treat my personal finances like they're a business too. Like, it makes sense to you that you would have bookkeeping for your business, but for some reason, Everyone thinks that it's normal to stop there and not do any bookkeeping for your personal life. So you kind of know about what your business is doing, but you have no idea really what's going on in the personal financial realm. And particularly as a small business owner, I'm like, the money enters your world at your business, but it really is not meaningful until it's like taxes are paid and it's in your savings account. That's when mm. it's really your money. And you need to know that that amount of money is actually growing every year, you know, uh, on the plan that you set out for yourself. And, and then they're like, well, I don't, I don't think I have a plan that I've set out for myself. I'm like, oh, that's the next problem. You actually have to have a plan <laughs> so you know how much money you need to save and how much money that money needs to make every year so that you're actually going to reach a goal of whether that be regular retirement or maybe early retirement, hopefully, or whatever. Um, so I, you know, I force people to basically look in the mirror and accept the fact that they've been, you know, very, very underperform, very much underperforming in the financial space for themselves. And I try to help them to get on track and, you know, of course, help their business and help them in that sense, but take it through to their personal life. So now I've, taken over doing you know the finances for the business owners mostly as well so that we're tracking everything both you know where it comes in in their business and like how much they end up with in their personal uh savings account essentially at the end of the year that's okay. cool it's, it's fascinating so you you've taken sort of uh paul i'm gonna you might get mad at me when i'm about to say it. you've you've taken paul and I, my hobby right of this podcast and, and you've made it your career yeah. In helping people. Right. So that's exactly right. I mean, it was my hobby too. I mean, and then your, your po the name of your podcast, financial dad, so I was like, Oh, that's me. I'm a financial dad. <laughs> um, but it was really just a hobby. Honestly, that hobby started early and I took that hobby into, you know, running our business and, you know, running it well, you know, pat myself on the back. Um, so my hobby has really always served me really well, and, and now it's actually my job. Um, but it's, it's important. It's funny that you say the word hobby. Like, you know, I think this is an important distinction that I kind of say to people, you know, at the beginning. I'm like, you know, managing your finances is much like exercise. You know, it's like everyone knows it's sort of good for you, but very few people do it or do it consistently. And I'm like, you know, that's partly because, of interest. You know, some people really like exercise, you know, they just love running, you know, so they enjoy their hobby and they get the added benefit of the fact that they're doing exercise very regularly. I really like finance, so it's not hard for me to do this and I get the added benefit of, you know, having had done it. But if, you know, it's not your hobby, it's not your interest, it can be hard to do. 
uh, and hard to keep up with. And I think that's why most people don't do it because it's just not an interest of theirs. They're, maybe they're into sea dews or I don't know, mountain, mountain climbing or whatever. Um, but unfortunately, if you, if you avoid the money in your life, you will pay a great price. It's not, it's not the area that you want to just like go by the wayside, unfortunately, much like exercise. You know, if you, if you don't exercise, you're going to get fat and very likely die young. Uh, if you don't <laughs> mind your money, you will very likely not have enough when you need it the most. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, there's so, a lot to unpack there. I yeah. feel like th there's so many episodes, but Paul, I'll let you go. It just, I think there's it's a lot deal. more that we'll do with you, Joe, especially I think we'll do the, a, a <laughs> podcast from your backyard with Paul, and I'll have to make a trip down. But I Paul, I'll it. let you jump in. And our friend Tony, right, the real estate. Uh, That's absolutely. right. We'll my get neighbor. four, we'll get four at the uh, backyard picnic table mm -hmm. yeah. right, actually, with we'll the microphones. Tony's house because he has a sweet pool and a, like, a little putting green in his backyard. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, we'll force that. All right, we'll force that issue. So the customers that come to you, your clients, I should say, you know, what are you seeing is the, the biggest challenge? Is it lack of budget, no financial literacy, or just like, like a cry for help? Like, I don't know where to start. Well, it depends if it's like a business or a person. Uh, Cause I do, I kind of called when I help businesses consulting and you know, that is generally I'm on retainer and I'm working with them regularly. What I call coaching is usually if an individual gets in touch with me, like they read my blog and whatever, and, and uh, they kind of want to try to get their act together. And when it's them, a lot of times it's people that are, frankly, you know, in their 40s, they're kind of looking back and going, I don't know if I paid enough attention to my finances, but now that I'm 40, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> and I have like mm. kids and like I got the college on the horizon and it's like, I'm a little worried that maybe I've not saved enough money or I've not put enough time or thought to this. Um, and they sort of in a little bit of a, a, a semi panic state. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad they are. I'm like, you know, you, you should be a little panicked because you, you got to pay attention to it. Uh, but it, you're, you're getting started and it's not never too late. And some of them are in better shape than others. Like some, you will, will be like, you know, they, they do well in their career and the, they'll have a pretty good amount of money saved, but they'll just have it like in a savings account, like getting no, making no money. And I'm like, you know, that's a really, that's a big problem too. Like you're not going to, most people are not going to save their way to retirement. <laughs> you know, they're going to save and have to invest uh, their way to retirement. So not having your money invested is, you know, as nerve wracking as investing can be. Um, is especially the last two weeks, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, especially the last two weeks. Um, you know, is a recipe for coming up short as well. Uh, and then some people realize they don't have any savings and they just need to just get get things together. Uh, so it's a mix. Um, and but with people, I usually kind of help on an hourly basis, or like I have a couple of like these packages on my website, like help you get your thing in order, and it's like four hours. And I encourage people to, to use Quicken, you know, but you can use any financial software. I'm like, you have to track your finances with a computer. You can't do it on paper or in a, or even in a spreadsheet. You have to use software. You know, you have to use the tools that are available in the modern era. Um, and I explain why. A lot of people are like, well, just can I just do like a spreadsheet? I'm like, no, no, you got to take this seriously, man. Like, you know, uh, it's like, you know, if you're going to go like, to the Olympics, you don't go in your sandals <laughs> to go That's run a great you know, call to, out. to run the hundred yeah. yard dash. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what's uh, funny about that? Um, so, Joe, with me uh, as a Mac, a longtime Apple Mac user, I have a love-hate relationship with Quicken. I know, I know. It is. <laughs> Which we won't get into on this podcast, but I am an avid Quicken user. I mm -hmm. use multiple tools in the toolbox. I use a combination of, of spreadsheets. I use, a com you know, I use spreadsheets. I use Quicken. Um, that's kind of how I, I manage. But I, I definitely want to dig into a little bit on the reverse retirement engineering. I thought that was a fascinating way that you put it, this early versus traditional retirement. And, I, and I'd love to dig into that. What is yeah. your definition of reverse retirement engineering? And how does that tie to the concept of early versus traditional retirement? Sure. Well, I mean, it's, it's a fancy, uh, I don't know if it's that fancy, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a different term for basically just saying, when it comes to retirement, it's like a map. You have to create a map. So first you figure out where you want to go, you know, and then you engineer your route there. It's like if you were going on a road trip and you, you know, you didn't have a destination, you would just be driving aimlessly and never know if you ever got there. Right. I mean, I guess that's, I don't know, that, that could be fun if you were, if you were a kid uh, in your twenties, <laughs> just wandering yeah. aimlessly around the country. But as an adult, that's not a good thing to do. Um, so really, you know, it's just it's it's figuring out where you want to be with the retirement. And what that means is like literally like what, what do I want my retirement to look like? Do I do I want to be at a beach with margaritas? Do I want to be, you know, active doing sports? Do I still want to work a little maybe? Do I want to volunteer? Do I want to sit on my porch and just drink beer all day? I don't know. You know, what what is it and where where do I want to do that? Um, and then figure out how much roughly that's going to cost you. Like, you know, what, what is, what is my budget for that? You know, like you were talking about your son earlier and making a budget for his upcoming new life while, you know, adults make, will make a budget for their future retirement life. And, you know, really when you put pen to paper, you're of course always surprised like, wow, I, I think it might actually cost, cost a good amount of money to live, to live the life I'm thinking, you know, because uh, <laughs> usually people's idea is pretty grandiose. Uh, actually not always, but um yeah. You figure out what that number is, you know, that annual cost. Um, and then you say, okay, well, if I'm not going to work and I'm going to maybe get some Social Security or whatever, how much money do I need to be making or have from my retirement pot in order to make that life reality? Um, and, and the idea is like, you know, the, the, the kind of common wisdom of uh, retirement planning, I guess, today, which is a little bit faulty and definitely has problems, and we can talk about that. But there's this basic theory that you have a pot of money, you know, say it's a million bucks, right? And when you don't want to just retire and start spending your million bucks, you need your million bucks to produce a stream of income so that you're, you're living off that and your pot of money doesn't actually get exhausted on you. So the theory is, let's just say you hope you make 7% income on your million bucks, but you keep 3% in the account, you know, that three of that three of that 7% stays in the account to keep it up with inflation and, and you withdraw 4%, right? Uh, and that's kind of like a self-perpetuating retirement plan. And this is the basic basic idea that people mostly talk about. Some people might've talked, you might've heard the 4% withdrawal rule or whatever. But the problem with that is do the math on that. You're like, okay, well, if I want to make a hundred thousand dollars stream of income from my pot of money, I need two and a half million dollars 
to be my pot of money. And the last I checked the statistics, there aren't a lot of people <laughs> that are ending their work days with two and a half million bucks in the bank, sadly, mm. right? Now, that's not the end-all, be-all scenario. There's lots of ways to try to accommodate whatever pot of money you have. But, you know, as a younger person looking ahead, trying to reverse engineer your, your retirement plan is you say, okay, well, my life then might cost me 100000 bucks a year. So if I want to get to a real safe place uh, in terms of, like, never having my, my retirement money run out on me, uh, I should shoot for $2.5 bucks. you know? And then you say, okay, wow, that's a pretty high mountain to climb. <laughs> I hope I'm only 21 when I'm looking at this and I'm not 41. Right. Um, but you, you, you figure out from there, okay, well, what do I got to do? How much, and it's basically how much do I have to save every month, you know, and how much return does that savings has to have to make in the time between now and I know this kind of, you know, official retirement date, you know? So, and that's why I always talk about personal finance in these three pillars. Um, it's like, I say you have to be financially prudent or you have to do, do your bookkeeping, do your personal finance work. You have to be business minded or entrepreneurial because the more entrepreneurial you are, I think the more money you will make and making more money is always the best solution to money problems. Uh, a good offense is, is the best defense. Um, and you have to be investing focused. Like you have to learn investing and you have to figure out how am I going to take the money I'm saving and turn it into more money? Because, you know, you quickly realize, I don't know if I'm going to make it to my, you know, my target number just on savings alone, you know? Um, and I think a lot of times when I tell people this, it's depressing to be honest with you because they're like, wow, that's just seems, it just seems like gonna, it's going to be hard. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you got to get going on this like really early, you know? And unfortunately sticking your head in the sand is not a solution uh, that will bite you in the butt big time. Um, yeah. I had a manager once that used to say hope is not a plan. Yeah. Hope is not a plan. Right? But, a lot of people are, are hoping that they have enough money and they close their eyes. And like you said, they stick their head in the sand and, and, and do that. But I, you know, the three pillars is, is a great, I love that concept. And, let and me, the one can thing I that interrupt kind of, you real quick? Cause yeah, I just sure. want to finish this. I always like, oh, yeah. after, yeah, after, no after I, you know, lay down the depressing thoughts, I, I like to wrap it up <laughs> go, with something no a little inspiring. Now, yeah. what I just laid out is, you know, is kind of a basic thing you can think of, but there are ways to, you know, make it more attainable, you know, and that's where you get into like, well, where do I want to live when I retire? Maybe I'll live in a place that's cheaper than I live now. Maybe I'll live in a state like Florida with no state income tax. Maybe I'll live in South America where I can live on 1500 bucks a month and have a great adventure. Um, there are ways to like, you know, figure out a way to get your, your goal to be like much more manageable. But, you know, I always start with that basic $100,000 a year thing, because if you do a budget for being retired in America, you know, like, in you know, your average enjoyable life, you know, you're going to be close to that. You know, that, so 
So I don't know. Yeah, that Actually, makes I don't sense. know if that was that much more positive, but I just want to. No, no, no. I think that was great. <laughs> I, I think, you know, the concepts you brought out were, were kind of working backwards. That's a big yeah. thing where I, yeah. where I work is they talk about working backwards. So where do you want to be and kind of working backwards from there? Um, you know, hope is not a plan, which is definitely key. And, and I love the three pillars that you talked about. I'm wondering, you know, so let's say I, I want to do that, which, I, you know, I think Paul and I, we, we've been pretty conservative and, and tried to kind of go down the road and kind of managing our, our monies effectively. We, we hope, right? I shouldn't say we hope, but to the best of my ability, I'll just speak sure. anecdotally, best of my ability through my lens. Uh, but, you know, if you're really concentrating on it and a family is in that position, you know, where they want to, you know, do all these things, how do you balance, how do you retire rich and still have a family? You know, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you know, you've been able to kind of, um, simplify your life a little bit maybe that's not the right word but you've been able to kind of dial it down and still maintain the family but still have a good financial future how do you how do people do that how do they accomplish that um they make a good amount of money in their life and then they and then they invest it and make sure that their investments are performing well so that's pretty much the <laughs> fundamental. No, I get it's, it. I get it. Pretty much the ba- I, I Let me let me preface my whole interview. What's in a preface? Because we're halfway in the interview. Is I'm like my wife gives me a hard time about this. She's like, I don't know if you're inspirational. Enough. <laughs> and I'm like, no, babe. This is not. You know, this. Is, I don't think this is. I'm the hard ass coach. That's what I am. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like that guy. And you know, in in the movie Miracle. Um, uh, what's what's his name? Uh, who played the coach Herb, in the Herbert. Disney movie Miracle? Uh, he's just a tough dude, and he's just like not going to sugarcoat it for you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I believe in not sugarcoating it, like I really do. And I don't. That means I'm not the coach for everyone. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I'm going to say it, that it's it, that it's hard. But that's why you got to get started early. But really, I mean, again. The best defense is a good offense. You know, figure out how you can make more money in life. That's the entrepreneurial pillar. Like for me, business ownership, um, you know, was really important and it played a huge role in being able to like, you know, amass more savings. Um, but it's not the thing that ultimately, you know, got us comfortable with making this kind of life change. It was like the real estate investing I did really produced a big return. You know, and I was very active about that and, and took every possible opportunity I could to, to you know, make good real estate investments. So, but the entrepreneurial thing, like for me, owning a business was good. It gave me, I think, more income. But it also gave me flexibility to do, like, research other things, focus a little bit on real estate, you know, kind of learn about a variety of stuff. But if you're not every job lends itself to owning a business, I realize that. So I always encourage people to be you have to be entrepreneurial at your job. Like you have to, like, make yourself indispensable at your job so that when you go ask for that raise, like and I, and I can say this from a business owner point of view where people come, you know, employees would come to me looking for raises like that employer has to be so scared of the prospect of losing you. They will just keep paying you more money. Like, you know, you have to look at them as like, they're your one client if you were a business owner and like, you need to keep them super happy, keep them coming back, but also make it so you can keep raising your prices on them. You know what I mean? Because in business, you know, the prices keep going up. So if you're, if you're, if you're not getting more clients or charging more, uh, you know, you're eventually going to like run into an issue. So 
entrepreneurial thinking just in general, I think is helpful from both the money income point of view, but also just understanding of money uh, and under and understanding of like just finance, you know, and you kind of carry that over, I think, into your financial prudency category. But, you know, the, the, the other pillars financial prudency is like, okay, like you're working hard, you're saving money. I mean, you're working hard, you're making money, you need to save it, you know, you need to like, you need to have a budget, you need to know how much you spend every year, how much you make, you need to know that, you know, you're in the black every year, you know, um, and that you are saving enough money, like against your plan that we talked about earlier, because if you see your plan to fruition, your reverse engineering of your retirement, you're going to have a monthly savings goal. And it's, you know, and it's going to be in a spreadsheet where you map out 30 years of saving this much money at this much return. And it actually adds up to your goal. Like, so you, you know, and I have like a little course on my website uh, with all my spreadsheets of how I did this for myself. And like, you literally can, you know, do the math on the whole thing. Like it's not, and the funny thing, it's not that complicated, you know, it's basic math, you know, it's just, uh, it's just no one likes to do it, I guess. I don't know. And I will admit, like, if, you know, you're struggling and driving, you're not making a lot of money, you know, it, it's emotionally tough. Like, it's hard, you know, to, to – it can almost be easier to not think about it, uh, which I completely understand. And, you know, that's your choice. But uh, – So, quick question for you. With the pandemic, so much has happened. So many people have started small businesses and, and done things. And – now, since you're a coach and you, you help them and you, you do a lot of work on retainer for them, are you seeing, did you see that? And number two really is, what's the biggest challenge they're facing? Is that they just don't know where to start with bookkeeping and, or is it higher level planning sometimes? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I guess, I don't know. Those are kind of two questions, I think, but yep. um, the pandemic's been hit or miss, I guess, honestly, for, for, some of my clients, they've, they've come out of the pandemic stronger, uh, which is kind of crazy. Um, but when you think about it, at least for their particular business, it, it kind of makes sense. Obviously, other businesses suffered greatly in the pandemic, uh, you know, things like gyms, and restaurants and so on. No, I, ironically, I mean, I'm in Florida. We don't have COVID down here in Florida. So all the restaurants here do great. Uh, <laughs> knowing, I don't know, you, don't, you guys are... You'll get that joke once you live. There. I know. I get, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I honestly, my, one of my favorite restaurants, which my son and I are probably going to go to after this, uh, he, he did great during the pandemic. I mean, I was blown away. I was just talking to him and I was like, how's this? You, you know, and he's like, honestly, I think we're going to have a better year than last year. He's like, wow. I feel like almost in a way people are coming out more like to be supportive or something. And that, that was like end of 2020. I asked him that question, but obviously that's not the, that's not the case, you know, everywhere. And I'm sure that was a kind of an anomaly. But when I start working with a business, usually the scenario is this, like in my business, we had four partners, me being one and, and everyone kind of had a role. And, and my role was, you know, uh, I did a lot of stuff. Um, but one of the roles was, was the financial end of things, the business marketing finance end of things. What I find is that if people talk, you know, think about hire me or, or hit me up, they like are a couple of partners and maybe they're both creative people, but n there is no partner that is the money person, you know? Um, and they kind of suffer essentially from that. And a lot of times what'll happen is like they start small, they're doing great. Like they don't, they're doing well enough that they don't need to worry about money. And then they grow a little bit 
and then they have a little bit of a lull or whatever and things get tight and they go, and they kind of realize like, wow, we, we just really have no idea what's going on in this business right now. Like we're so focused on doing the work, getting the, getting the work done, delivering the product or whatever. Uh, and we don't have anyone really like that's looking after the money and letting us know like if troubled times are ahead or if good times are ahead or how much money we can actually take out and, and not, you know, not end up in a, in a, in a, in a hard time in three months, you know, basically cash flow management, stuff like that. So they kind of realize, you know, that they need someone like that. Um, and I feel like a weird gap, like you can hire a bookkeeper, obviously that's someone that's not a former business owner that doesn't know as much as I know. And, you know, they'll, they'll, manage your money and give you reports but they don't really can't read them you know what i mean like they, they don't know how to do cash flow yeah. management they don't really know like you know how how you can improve your business what areas are working what's not working you know all those things so i bring that sort of cfo level knowledge along with the bookkeeping but to me like bookkeeping is like you need to do it so you can get all the valuable information out of the sheets, you know, out of the reports that you're looking at, you know, the, the information's all in there. It's going to tell you how things are going and how they could go or, you know, you know, good or bad or whatever. And you want to, you want to have someone that can read that and like inform you properly so you can make educated decisions going forward. Um, so if you don't have a, a partner, that's a business person in your business, I think you're probably feeling, you know, a bit of a gap there. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's a gap that I, that has come, you know, come to my attention, you know, so luckily I've been able to help people in that way. Um, and just, it, it also like when, once you get your financial house in order, it does bring, it does remove a lot of stress in your life. I mean, whether the, the, the picture is good or bad, it's good to, it's good to know, I think. And I think it, it, you know, it's one of those money is one of those things for people that don't kind of deal with it head on that it's nagging at them all the time. Uh, like, oh man, I really got to do this. I really got to do it. I got to like spend some time on it. So I always say to people, you know, if money's not your hobby, like if it's not something you want to do, like don't spend the next 20 years, like saying, oh, I really got to get to it. You know, I know it's be good for me. Like just hire someone, you know, it's like getting a personal trainer, uh, to like motivate you to get to the gym and like make you accountable and you know, that sort of thing. <clears throat> very cool very cool yeah i, I think your one question of things, at all i don't know if i did <clears throat> no i think this is all great dialogue right paul i mean this is all great i there's a lot of tidbits uh, i always tell people or i always say in the podcast i enjoy listening back to our episodes at the gym the following week right so it's a great 40 to 50 minutes where i'm able to do elliptical or take a run and listen, and and this is going to be one of those episodes, Joe. I know that I put awesome. so many different nuggets out that I love the way you described some of these things. So I think it, it's been great, and and some of the questions that we had, I think uh, in mind, you kind of answered kind of holistically in, ter in terms of you know investing wisely and planning for retirement and 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 when to start early and all those kind of things. We'd love to hear a little bit about your your blog. And sure. can you tell us a little bit about what you do in that space? Yeah, my blog's called playlouder.com. My slogan is work smarter, plan better, play louder. <laughs> you know, and I That's guess, great. you know, I, I am definitely like, uh, I guess my, I, you know, I, I, I feel like things are going pretty good. So I look at my life and I'm like, oh, well, what I did was I spent the 20s and 30s working super hard and being really focused on saving and whatever. And then we had a kid when I was 40. And, but luckily, 
you know, I now is in a better shape where I could make a change and be able to spend more time with the kid and that sort of thing. Um, so on my blog, basically, I just started out like writing about all these things we're talking about and kind of like, you know, the my theories about how, you know, you can make it as easy for yourself or more foolproof for yourself in terms of like having a retirement goal and actually getting there, whether that be early retirement or not. You know, I mean, I think if you have a plan, you, you create the map, as I like to say, and you get on you get on course, hopefully you'll it'll motivate you and and maybe you'll make more money and you'll save more money and you'll invest more and get more educated and you will actually get to you know an early retirement if if that's of interest to you i mean i really like working so it's like you know when i say i'm semi retired what what i mean is that i can get by working part time and i'm not particularly worried about saving more money uh i feel mm-hmm. like you know, like my pot is pretty good. And if that just keeps growing without me spending it, like I'll I'll be okay. I'm perfectly happy to save more money. And, you know, luckily I even was able to last year. So I haven't given up on being prudent, but um, I'm not, you know, sort of under the gun, I guess, to like keep, you know, getting my pot of gold, you know, to where I want it to be. Um, But I like working. So I don't, I don't really think you have retirement has to be like, you know, hit the porch or whatever, but having the ability to like switch gears, you know, when you're 40 or 50 or whatever, and maybe do more of the things that you like and not work so intensely and have so much stress, I think is a really good, you know, option to have. And, you know, the more planning you do and the more you stick to your plan, the more options I think you will have. So, you know, a lot of my stuff is about, you know, giving you the, the, the tools to eventually end up with more options for your life. So it's about a lot about real estate investing. It's about personal finance. It's about on, you know, business stuff. Now I have other people that also do writing for the site as well and put their perspective. So, so it's just a whole bunch of free information. Um, if you're into this kind of thing. And then on there, I have some courses as well. Like I have, I have a course in each of my pillars. So I have my financial independence roadmap. It's a course basically that includes that spreadsheet I mentioned of how much you need to save and how much it needs to make and how long it's going to take. Um, I have a course on understanding real estate investing and real estate investing returns and, you know, really, really having a strong, solid grasp on what you're getting into when you invest in real estate and, and why it's valuable. And then I have a course on like incorporating yourself and like, you know, I think it's important to have a side hustle, basically, and have some business income so that you can take advantage of some of uh, the tax advantages of businesses. And perhaps if you're doing that, maybe you want to switch over to the, doing that full time if you think you can make more money and you can get, you know, better, better tax benefits. So I have a course that talks a little bit about that and then also on how to incorporate yourself and and that sort of stuff. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And I think, I think with that, we'll, we'll jump into what we call the summary recap lessons learned. One of the things that you said resonated with me, uh, Joe, and that's, um, you said early in the podcast that at one point you realized you lived your work, you lived, you lived our work. So you Mm -hmm. and your wife consciously said, you know, we're living our work. And it's so funny you said that because at one point I remember a conversation distinctly with my son 
And, you know, he, he kind of always thought growing up, I mean, he's 17 now, but I think his impression was that I really loved work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I, do, I do like work. Um, and, and at some points I do love it, but I think he kind of saw it in a way different lens, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, wow, like Paul, my dad is in love with working. That's right? all which, he wants which, to do. He just yeah, wants to work the, all the time. And I think that's still the case, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, I don't know if I've been able to break that mold, uh, but it is what it is. But that was kind of a light bulb moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then typically what we do is, Paul, you go next, and then we'll ask you – uh, Joe, what are the three things that you know you want the listeners to take away from you know from this and and, and then you know give give your website and all that kind of stuff? But sure. Paul, I'll let you go next, and we'll let Joe have the last word. Sure. So for me, it, it was around the the time aspect of it and the hobby. So if you don't enjoy doing this, hire someone. Uh, I think that's really just simple, prudent advice because. You know, the three of us here kind of actually enjoy this, right? That's why we're we're doing these things. Um, we've taken a keen interest and passion around it to help ourselves for the, and our families for the future. Mm-hmm. But if this isn't your thing, get help, right? Yeah. There, there are tons of places to get help. Find the one that works for you and the and the right uh, setup for you. And maybe it's you, Joe. Hopefully, some of our listeners feel that way, right? But uh, I'll hand it off to you now You're for the wrap up. <clears throat> Go ahead, handing, Joe. Are you handing it off to me? Yes, I am. Okay. Handing it off to you. <clears throat> okay, wait. Remind me of the wrap-up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess maybe, you know, we could, maybe the last I question. I was so enthralled with what you guys yeah. are saying. I just complete, <laughs> I completely forgot my wrap-up instructions. <laughs> so it's really just, you know, what are the three things or whatever you want to leave our listeners oh, with. Okay, the three most important things. Right. Well, I mean, I, I, I will refer to my three pillars, actually, as, uh, you know, three – Three areas of your life that you know you want to you want to sort of commandeer, but um, but I guess more practically, you know, it's like don't don't put your head in the sand about it. You really have to put some time to it. Like you have to think about it. It doesn't take a lot of time to do a little bit of a plan for yourself to figure out where you're going to go. Kind of reverse engineer that retirement thing. I mean, honestly, you could do it in a few hours. Well, especially if you went to my website and got some of my spreadsheets and stuff, I mean, half the work to be done for you. Um, and, you know, ha- you, you have to have a plan. You have to have a goal. You can't go on a road trip and not know where you're going, at least as an adult, you know. So uh, and the truth is, it's not going to be easy. I, I will admit again, I mean, it, it takes work. It takes effort. You know, you have to think about how much money you're making. You have to face the fact if you're not making enough that you, that you got to make more, maybe you got to make a job change or whatever it takes, but you basically have to do it. No one is going to do it for you. And, you know, the older you get, the harder, the harder it gets. So uh, start ASAP. And if, if you, if you think you have no chance of getting there, but you have kids, well, talk to your kids about about them getting started super early because maybe they'll come and save you, basically. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I love it. I love it. Well, Paul and Joe, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Absolutely, Thanks, guys. everyone, for – perfect, perfect. Yeah, we would love to have you back, Joe. This would be awesome. Oh, I'd love show. to be back. I appreciate you saying that, you know? Uh, Very cool. Anytime. Very Cool, cool, cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you managing finances can be stressful, 
But that's why the financial dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. Thank you.